right. Welcome to episode 48, Dauber Prospects Radio. I'm your host, Peter Harling, and we're uh, we're at the midway point of the NHL season and fantasy seasons and seasons in junior. The World Junior Championships are over. Uh, All-Star games are coming up, top prospect game, etc. That means it's time to start taking an honest look in the mirror at your fantasy team and deciding, uh, am I a contender or is it time to look to the future? Maybe that was made quite clear right out of the get-go. Maybe your team is uh, very impressive and you've known you're going to be in it to win it all season. Or maybe you inherited someone else's nightmare or you are in a rebuild right from the beginning. Either way, I'm going to talk a little bit about what are some fantasy hockey strategies for rebuilding and kind of discuss the ethics of tanking as well. Also coming up on this episode, I'm going to take a look at some NCAA college free agents who could potentially be targets come this offseason should they decide to sign their contracts. Most of them will because the majority of the guys I'm going to talk about are seniors. These are all undrafted players. Um, I'm going to have a little chit-chat with Braden Olsen talking about the AHL All-Star Game, what players are in there that are fantasy relevant, that are trending up, who if you own in fantasy hockey, you might want to hold on to or you might want to target, etc. So let's start with, first of all, talking about, uh, if you enjoyed our last episode, by the way, I had uh, Stephen Ellis on and we did a full breakdown of the World Junior Championship. It was kind of a special edition. It was just a guest episode. Uh, It was just over an hour long. It was really great. I enjoyed talking to him. Thanks again for coming on, Steve. Uh, If you enjoyed that episode, I highly recommend you subscribe to the Draft Analyst Podcast. Steve Cornianis's last episode was along the same lines. It was all about uh, reviewing the World Junior Championship. And Steve did a great job. He had some different points and opinions than what some of the stuff Steve and I talked about. And he talked about a couple other different prospects as well. So it's not just the same stuff, uh, although it's the same topic. Uh, I also recommend that if you enjoy the topic that I'm about to cover, and that's tanking and fantasy hockey strategies and whatnot, that if you're not already listening to the Keeping Carlson podcast, go ahead and check out their last episode, uh, 217 Hold on, 217 episodes. I'm at episode 48, by the way. Draft Analyst is at episode 31. Keeping Carlson has 217 episodes in the book. They do an episode each week like clockwork. These guys are amazing. Um, I wish I had the dedication and commitment that that they have. Anyhow, they had uh, Ryan Bolta, producer for TSN for That's Hockey On, and he had some really interesting strategies. Some of them were uh, like psychological warfare kind of stuff and how to undermine the value of players for your own personal agenda so you can get them cheaper stuff like that Uh, i highly recommend it it was a very entertaining episode all right so on to episode 48 of uh of this podcast the 48th episode uh sometimes i like to talk about players that were drafted 48 or, or wore the number 48 or whatever episode i'm talking about so Today I was talking about or looking at players that were drafted 48th overall. I, I looked over a list of players and it was a lot of players that I'd never heard of or players that were mediocre at best with a couple of exceptions. Uh, the biggest one had to be hands down be the Moose, Marc Messier, the man, drafted in 1979 and uh, went on to have a Hall of Fame career, second all-time scoring leader in, in NHL history, a couple Stanley Cup rings and all that, the guarantee Love the Moose. 
Uh, and then a couple other players that sort of resonated with me personally, Alan Bester, drafted in 83, uh, Maple Leafs goalie who I absolutely adored. He was little, one of the, the last small goalies in the history of hockey. Uh, Don Cherry had a great quote on one of his Rock'em Sock'ems that this guy sees more rubber than 10 miles of highway every night. Uh, the other one, obviously, uh, name recognition for me personally, Peter Ring, drafted in 1988. Didn't really have an illustrious NHL career, but he made it and uh, kind of fond of his name. All right, so moving on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, fantasy hockey and is it time to tank or not? So I don't think it takes a lot of genius or strategy to take a look at your roster and decide, am I am I good enough to win this year or not? Am I going to make the playoffs? Does your league have a regular season title and a playoff title? Uh, maybe if all of your teams make it in the playoffs, tank and go for the playoff. Uh, title instead of the regular season one go for both um in terms of tanking though i've had a lot of debates with people on social media and in the pools that i'm in about the ethics and integrity of teams that deliberately try to lose in order to increase their their draft status to get a higher draft pick and rebuild their team some people think it's deplorable that you should be icing your best possible roster you can at all times And I think this really just, for me, it comes down to the league that you're in. If you're in a head-to-head league, like the the one I'm in, the DPFHL, you've got, uh, you know, if I have someone who's deliberately tanking and throwing it uh, and trying to lose on purpose, and they're going up against someone who I'm competing with for a regular season championship, then, you know, that's a little frustrating that the guy I'm going up, that I'm chasing up the standings, is going to get an easy win. And I might be playing someone who's also trying to win and might cost me a loss that week. Uh, So that's, you know, that's kind of frustrating. But um, if you're paying to be in your hockey pool and want to run it the way that you'll enjoy it the most, and if your team's just not very good and you want to improve it as fast as you can, then quite frankly, tanking is a really great way to do that. Or maybe if you're like me and you're kind of a draft junkie and you love drafting and you trade players for draft picks uh, and that's how you get your enjoyment out of being in the pool by identifying great players and, and drafting them and, and that's how you get your, your reward and your gratitude. I don't really have a problem with that either. I totally understand that. So unless your tanking is detrimental or the worst case uh, scenario is if you're if you're trading players that are good to a buddy so that he can win and he's just giving you spare change back that's called collusion and i have a huge problem with that that's cheating Um, but if you're making trades for the benefit of your team and your enjoyment in the pool and that means that you need to lose in the short term in order to win in the long term i don't really have a problem with that i think your league should be able to allow that now if you want to put in some rules in place to to limit that, I also understand that totally. And here's some suggestions for uh, some good anti-tanking rules. Obviously, first and foremost, have a draft lottery. It's no guarantee that if you finish last that you're going to get the first overall pick. Um, so the leagues that I'm in, I like to have leagues that mirror the NHL as close as possible. So if you finish last overall, it's like 18 or 20% chance of, of getting the first overall pick. So that's pretty pretty fair, safe, accepted rule. 
having roster requirements. So not having players who aren't in the NHL on your active roster. You can't load your roster up with guys that are in the AHL or in junior and are just not registering points at all. If you have players who are injured, they can't be on your roster either. You got to move them onto your IR. Uh, that's just that's just kind of cheating. I mean, you have to have some sort of semblance of a regular team. Um, and also, you might want to look at implementing a salary cap floor. Uh, if you have a salary cap league, having a salary cap floor is a really good deterrent for tanking. You you know you can't have a bunch of players on entry level contracts that you know are playing four minutes a night and whatnot. Uh, you have to have you know at least fifty million dollars or whatever your number is for a salary cap floor. Some anti-tanking rules that I don't really like are you can't trade draft picks. That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, or vetoing trades. I really, uh, I think that's a very slippery slope. If you have a league where you have a GM, or I should say a commissioner or a panel of GMs that have the ability to look at a trade that's happened and say, no, you can't make that trade. It's too lopsided. Um, I really don't have a problem with that. I put it on our Twitter account. What are some of your fantasy hockey uh, tanking or rebuilding tips or tricks? And some people said that they'll flat out go ahead and lose a trade. They don't care if they lose the trade in order to get the player that they've identified to help them with the rebuild. So if you have a trade that you want to make that gets you the first overall pick and then some top prospects like Erasmus Dahlin um, and an Elias Pedersen or something like that, and you're giving up a star player and, and your commissioner says, no, nah, you can't make that trade. And, you know, it's kind of frustrating to be in a league that won't allow you to do what you want to do with your own roster. Another thought I have on tanking is if you've got a problem with tanking, I mean, this is a person in your league, especially if it's a money league, and they're, they're tanking to rebuild so they have a better chance next year. They're paying to be in that league. That, quite frankly, I think that gives them the right to do whatever the hell they want to do. But secondly, if you're in it to win it, and here's a guy that's going to give you his money and not even compete with you for your chance to win, then I'm not really sure why you have a problem with that. That's just a guy giving you, throwing his money into the pot and getting out of the way, and, and you're not making a reach for it. I have no problem with that either. So I don't really have a problem with it being in leagues. I understand it. I've done it. I inherited a team one time that was really absolutely terrible, and I'll flat out, I flat out admit it to people that were calling me out on it. You can't tank. You can't tank. Your team sucks, but at least you got to try. I'm like, no, man. I have no draft picks and no good players. I'm tanking for two years, and I'm going to load up on top-round picks. Um, and in terms of tanking and the rebuild, and you know, I'm going to spend a couple years and rebuild this team and get it back. I don't think you really need to do that anymore. I mean, you look at the NHL now and it is chop full of players in their first and second year. So much for the sophomore jinx, by the way, players in their first and second year, and they are just dominating. And if you're in a cap league, that's even better because they're on their ELCs and they're, they're maxing out at under 4 million bucks. So, and I think Vegas is a great example of this in real life. Here's a team that came into the NHL as an expansion team from scratch and made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I know there's a difference between real hockey and fantasy hockey, but this is just an example that you don't need to spend five years crap in the bed and loading up on draft picks and, and storing your star players in the minors. You can, if you're smart and you're dedicated and you do your homework... Uh, you can rebuild a team in one to two years and you can get 
maybe not a title, but you can get into contention where you don't have to be deliberately losing anymore. So uh, if you're going for it, I think what you want to do is sell your futures for a win now, right? So if your team's good, you got a couple of weak players on your roster or whatnot, uh, you want to look at opportunities where you can have no holes on your roster. And if you're in a partial keeper league, it's even easier, I think. You could identify players that have keepers that make sense for them in the long term. And then you can maybe even position to them, you know, hey, trade me that guy that's on your bubble for keeper because there's no way I'm keeping him. So I'll give you a draft pick and prospect for him. And then when the season's over, I'm just going to throw him back in the pool. So if you really like that player, you have a shot at redrafting him back and getting him back on your roster. So some rebuilding tips as well. So add lots of first round picks. Um, if you look at the NHL from the last couple of years, uh, in 2017, there's 12 first round picks that have at least 20 plus NHL games under their belt already. So gone are the days where it's taking players years and years and years of development and they got to, you know, earn their roster spot in the NHL by paying their dues in the, in the AHL and then, you know, play, working their way up from the fourth line to the top line in the NHL after a couple of seasons. No, nah, man. One or two years, they go from college or junior straight into the NHL in a lot of cases, or maybe just a little bit of time adjusting to pro in the AHL or over in Europe, and then boom, they're right in in their top six role. Add older players. <clears throat> so if you've got a lot of draft picks, obviously in the first round or two, depending on how, how deep your pool is, you want to target NHL entry draft players. These guys have the most upside, and you maybe not have to wait five years for them to make it, as I just said. When you start getting into some of the later rounds, that's when you might want to start taking a look at other options. And I highly recommend being really astute with, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, NCAA free agents. There's been a couple of players who've come from the NCAA as free agents. And what's great about that is they're already 22 or 23 years old. You don't have to wait for them. You know what you've got almost right away. They sign an NHL deal. They make the NHL or they go to the AHL, and within one season, you know if they're going to be fantasy relevant or how much fantasy relevancy they're going to have. Another place you can look at is Europe, uh, and this is even better in my opinion. Drafting players that come out of Europe that have played pro hockey already, coming from the KHL or the SHL or Liga, uh, there's a number of great players that have had immediate fantasy impact guys like Artemi Panarin not drafted and you can get a chance to watch some of these guys as well in international tournaments like world juniors the world championship uh, if you uh, if you do your your homework uh, and again your wait is only one to two years not one to five also you might not want to wait for your draft to come around to start looking at opportunities to add prospects to your team if your league allows free agents or waiver wire pickups there's a number of players and i talk about them all the time on this podcast about players who have minimal fan tracks ownership and i'm talking like less than 10 percent a lot of the time and that i think are fantasy relevant prospects and that could be making an impact in the nhl soon or or later so these are players who already have been either drafted or signed as free agents and have NHL rights owned that you can add to your roster. So if you've got a guy who's a veteran, who's, you know, so-so, maybe like a, or Dustin Brown, and he's just not producing a lot uh, of fantasy value for you right now, but he's in the NHL, just go ahead and drop that guy and add this prospect and hope that he's able to make the team at a training camp at the start of next season. 
target some teams in your league as well that uh, that have keeper problems. So if you've got like a six or twelve keeper uh, league, but however many teams you have in it, you can only keep so many players. Take a look around, scout out the competition, see who's got players that you would have a hard time getting it into your keeper cap, and uh, and target those guys for trade candidates because a lot of people just had this absolute fear of having a star player and not being able to keep him and losing him for nothing. Kind of like the NHL, where you see teams trade uh, players like Artemi Panarin, who's about to become an unrestricted free agent. And this is a great parallel, actually. So Columbus is in a position where, you know, they're not a Stanley Cup favorite, but there's a good chance that they'll make the playoffs. And who knows, once you make the playoffs, right? You get in, especially if it's a head-to-head league. You get in the playoffs, and uh, if the team you're up against is better than yours, but if their goalie uh, has a terrible game, you could win that week, and that's all you need to do to move on to the next round. <clears throat> or your goalie could have, you know, the game of his life kind of thing, and all of a sudden, hey, I'm ahead. So target teams that have players, maybe even like a Panarin, that you just don't think is going to fit into their keeper budget, and uh, and make them an offer. Maybe offer them a draft pick or something for it that you know they can, or a prospect if you have different prospect keepers, uh, something to allow them some value long term that would prevent them from losing that player for nothing. If they don't feel like they're necessarily a strong contender, anyways, you might be able to get them for a really good value. And this is maybe a little bit harsh, but um, Steve Laidlaw made a comment on my Twitter comment about your fantasy hockey strategies. Look around. Uh, your league and identify who the sucker is and if you can't find the sucker then you're the sucker Um, but you know take advantage of the suckers in your league if you have someone in your in your pool that's that's not too smart you make them an offer that uh, you know you're you're gonna win Um, it's a little bit a little bit harsh it's maybe a bit of a dick move but uh, hey man if you got a chance to win it and you're smarter than, than someone else it's you know it's not your fault that they're not as smart about hockey as you are, that they don't listen to this podcast or keeping Carlson. Maybe they should. Uh, it's hard not to take advantage of people like that. The problem you run in with that is if too many people do that, then that team quickly diminishes, gets to the point where they've traded away all their good players and maybe even all of their draft picks, and the team is just absolutely terrible. And the GM realizes it, and it's no longer fun for him. So now they're like, you know what, guys? I'm going to quit this pool. And they leave, and they leave you with a crap team that's just no good. It's really hard to find a replacement GM to take over a team that has not a lot of uh, not a lot of potential, no no assets. Um, it's a challenge, and sometimes you can find someone like me or or Chris Wassel that looks at a team like that and says, "Yeah, man, I'll take over this team. I'll see how quickly I can turn it around." Um, that's actually why. One of the things I enjoy most about being in fantasy hockey is is the rebuild. Uh, so I might do that, but it's hard to find GMs like that, especially in a cash league. All right. So another thing you want to do is um, identify the players that you want, target players. And the way to do that, the best way to do that is always the eye test. Watch a lot of hockey. Watch the games. Know the players. Who is a player that I think is in a situation that is really beneficial. It gives them the opportunity to grow. Uh, so way you can figure out that is uh, look at the whole stat line. Don't just look at their goals and assists. You want to identify players that have a really good all-around game because regardless if your league counts a whole bunch of peripheral stats or not, 
they're going to be a coach's fanboy and the coach is going to give them a lot of minutes and put them in the ice a lot and give them a lot of opportunity to produce points. Um, speaking of the coach, knowing what the coaching situation is on that team, is this player in that coach's doghouse? Because uh, some coaches, it's really hard for a player to get out of their doghouse and they might be like a Josh Levo who's sitting in the press box eating popcorn uh, nine out of ten games. Uh, has there been a coaching change? Maybe your player was the coach's uh, the coach's boy, and now there's a coaching change, and all of a sudden you got a guy who goes from being on the top line to the fourth line. That's not necessarily so good, or it could be vice versa. Uh, also, the team system. If uh, you're owning an Edmonton Oilers prospect and Ken Hitchcock comes in, you might not be super stoked about that. Uh, so knowing the situation with the coach is really important. Um, identifying the opportunity. So if you're looking at a prospect that you really like and you're watching this guy play in the, in the OHL or the AHL or in Europe or whatever, you've seen them on the World Juniors, and you're like, oh, man, this guy's dynamite. I really want to own this guy in fantasy hockey. Before you, before you leap, take a look at, okay, so what NHL team owns his rights? What position does he play? And who does he have to beat for a job? What are the chances that this guy could step into this NHL roster next season. Uh, I mean, if it's a defenseman and they've already got six full-time NHL players with long-term contracts and decent cap hits, that makes it really hard. Even if he's a little bit better than the fifth and sixth guy, his salary cap really is a motivating factor on roster decisions. Uh, Also, is he good enough? What other prospects are in the system that might be ahead of him that he would have to leapfrog in order to get in to the NHL roster. Uh, contract status is another thing that you really want to look at. Uh, is it a contract year for this player next year? If I want to grab this guy, next year is going to be great because he's in a contract year and he's going to be you know, playing for a new contract. Or did he just sign a new contract and now all that cash in his pockets is slowing him down and he's not quite as motivated as he was last year? Um, other things specifically prospect related would be uh, waiver eligibility so if this is a player that's been playing in the ahl all year next year is a new season is next year the year that he becomes eligible for waivers so i'd be talking about a player like i'm not sure exactly what his contract status is but we talk about this with um with brayden but Michael Dal Cole with the New York Islanders, they might be getting to the point where next year, if they want to send him down to Bridgeport at the start of the season, he might have to go through waivers. And a fifth overall pick, that might be a tough pill to swallow. So it might force the New York Islanders to either play him in the NHL next year or trade him to a team that's willing to do that. Because even if they trade him, that team would then be forced with the decision of play him in the NHL or put him on waivers to get him down to our farm team. Uh, So looking at ways to identify value is really the way you want to win your pool. Winning your pool is about identifying value and making trades that address that identification, not about reading forecast magazines and figuring out who's projected to have the most points. I mean, those those are helpful tips and tools for sure, but really identifying value is, in my opinion, uh, the way that you want to manage your fantasy hockey team, not by forecasting points. Um, There's a big difference as well between perceived value and actual value. 
And if you're in a non-capped pool, this becomes particularly relevant because you look at players around the NHL who have these really inflated contracts and they're not worth what they're making contract-wise in the NHL. But they're still producing some points and they're still in the NHL. And the fact that they're making six or seven million dollars is irrelevant because you're not paying their salary. And if you're fantasy league doesn't have a salary cap then who cares so everybody in social media and twitter or whatnot might be saying you know poo poo about this player but that doesn't mean that they don't have any fantasy value so you might be able to get that player for a song all right that's my rant on fantasy hockey and uh tanking and how to rebuild and all that i hope you enjoyed that Next little segment is going to be uh, talking about uh, NCAA free agents. So hang around for that. All right, let's move on and talk about some NCAA hockey. So full disclosure, I don't get to watch a lot of NCAA hockey live. It's not on TV very conveniently north of the 49th. Um, So I rely a lot on external sources that I've done online, looking at stats, looking at um, the Dauber mid-season guide, and um, and using Elite Prospects, uh, which is, by my in my opinion, the very best um, for doing profile research for players and prospects. So, over the Christmas holidays, I was having a little hockey chat with my uh, with my old man, my dad, talking fantasy hockey and. We were looking at each other's rosters and you know sharing our thoughts and opinions about what players we thought were keepers and whatnot. And uh, a lot of the strategies I get, I, I discuss this stuff with my dad as well. We're both big time into fantasy hockey. And um, he emailed me a list of some of the college free agents that are on his watch list on Fantrax. And I showed him how to actually make... Uh, a Fantrax watch list, and it's a really, really useful tool. If you don't, uh, if you don't use the watch list on Fantrax, um, you're missing out on an opportunity to really keep track of some players. Because I look up prospects all the time on it. I'll throw them on my watch list, and then a couple weeks will go by, and I'll forget who I was looking up. So I'll just click on my watch list. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's see how that guy's doing now. It's been you know, anytime you you, you catch a name on a podcast like this one, or you hear someone. You know, maybe a beat journalist from one of the NHL teams talk about a prospect that they're really impressed with that's coming up. Throw them on your watch list and uh, keep it. That helps you keep track of them. So, anyways, my dad emailed me a list of some of the college free agents and he asked me to go over it. So, and I know that you have a tendency to listen to this podcast, Dad. So, hopefully, you're on. You know, having a good dialysis coming up in the near future here, and uh, you're listening to this, and uh, you find it helpful. So, some of the players on his list. Uh, I'll go over the whole list. So the first player is uh, Jimmy Schultz. He's a 23-year-old playing with St. Cloud State. He's their captain. He's a defenseman. He's uh, six foot one, 205 pounds. He was a 2018 Hobie Baker finalist. So he's in his final year. He's a senior of NCAA. He's an undrafted player, so he'll be looking to sign a pro contract after this season. That shouldn't really be a problem. He's got 20, 20 games played so far, six goals, 18 assists. A Hobie Baker finalist last year, captain of his team. Uh, I think he's a player you want to keep on your watch list. Uh, someone who, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, that you might want to look at drafting in your mid to late rounds in your, in your prospect draft coming up. 
uh, a, lot, a teammate of his as I was doing some research on him. And this is a player that, that wasn't on my dad's list. Uh, Jack Ashan, defenseman with St. Cloud State. He's 21 years old. You might recognize the name. He played for Team USA at the 17 World Junior Championships, and he won a gold there. He's a little bit undersized, 5'8", 183, but as we all know, that's not a problem in today's NHL. He's got 20 games as well and 18 points, two goals, 16 assists. So those are two defensemen for St. Cloud State that are racking up the points, have a little bit of a pedigree, you know, Hobie Baker finalist, world junior gold medalist. Uh, I really like their chances to sign NHL contracts uh, in this, this summer. Uh, the next player on his list is from Notre Dame. It's a goalie, 22-year-old. Cal Morris. He's 6'1", 190. He's a junior, so he could have another year of uh, college, but he was the Hobie Baker finalist in 2018 as well. He was also named the Mike Richter winner, which is the top goalie for the NCAA last year. Uh, So I don't really know much about this player outside of that, and I'm not much of a goalie scout, but based on his awards resume, I would say he's certainly a player that you want to you want to keep an eye on 6-1 is not big but it's not small it's just okay uh size wise in in today's nhl but uh yeah goalies are voodoo so i really don't know your guess is as good as mine there the next one is a player who was on uh my watch list for signing last year max verona uh and his teammate ryan kuffner they're both Ottawa natives. I lived in Ottawa for a while. They're both playing at Princeton. Uh, so Mike Verona is 23 years old now. He's six foot 181. He's a senior at Princeton, so this is definitely his final year. He's got uh, 24 points in 19 games. He had a big breakout last year, scoring 55 points in 36 games. So he's a player who, based on his point production, I thought had a chance to get an NHL contract last year. I'm sure there's some conversation, but seems like he's decided he wants to stay in college, get his degree, play out his full four years there. Uh, so he should be signing a contract once his college season is over. And his uh, line mate from Princeton, Ottawa native, six foot one, one ninety four, left winger Ryan Kuffner. Uh, similar situation, fifty two points last year. Sorry, thirty six points last year. Um, this year he's got nineteen games played, uh, thirteen goals, thirteen assists for twenty six points. So these guys are lighting the lamp pretty regularly for Princeton. Uh, they're not undersized. But again, I'm not watching these guys play, so I don't know. have any idea what their skating is like or uh, their compete level, their defensive commitment. But on paper, looks good. Uh, the next guy, and maybe someone can help me with this guy, uh, Adam Rockwood. He's a senior as well, final year, 23. He's a little undersized, 5'10", and 165 pounds. So that's kind of small. Uh, he's in his fourth year. He played two seasons with Wisconsin where his stats were pretty irrelevant and he's played the last two years with Michigan and he had uh, the 2016-17 season he didn't play because it was an NCAA transfer year I don't really know what that means Uh, if someone listening to this can explain to me what the transfer year is I imagine when you transfer schools it's not like you can get traded from one team to another these are schools or commitments you you're enrolled there so uh what is it that forces him to take a year off of playing hockey with the transfer did he did he switch mid-semester or something along those lines um 
anyway, his uh, his stats are pretty good too. He's got uh, 43 games, uh, 48 points so far this year. Not so bad. Uh, the next player on my dad's list was uh, Mason Berg. Uh, I wouldn't say he's fantasy relevant. Uh, same with uh, Devin Brousseau. Those are two players that, sorry, Dad, I don't think they're fantasy relevant. You can go ahead and scrap them off your list. Now, I can also add to your list with a couple other players. So these are players that I've identified as being fantasy relevant uh, NCAA free agents. Uh, I've seen a few Boston College uh, sorry, Boston U games. Love the Boston Terriers. I have a Boston Terrier, Charlie. Lover. I'll put a picture up on the Facebook or the Twitter account. So their captain is in his senior year, uh, Bobo Carpenter. He's 22, 5'11, 185. He's got 16 points in 18 games. And uh, Boston U's always got some NHL uh, elite players and, and stars and talent, and they do a really great job recruiting. Um, the fact that he's undrafted kind of is a little bit of a red flag, but uh, wouldn't be surprised if he went ahead and got himself a NHL contract now that his college career is going to be over at the end of the season. NCAA leading scorer obviously needs to be on the list, and that is 22-year-old Taro Hyros. He's playing with Michigan State. He's their assistant captain. He's 5'10", 161, so again, a little on the small side. He's a left winger. Uh, he's in his junior season, so he could play again next year, should he choose. And he's got uh, 22 games under his belt this year, 11 goals, 35 points. That leads the NCAA in scoring. Uh, another player, and this is again a player that was on my watch list last year but did not sign, would be Colt Conrad, assistant captain for Western Michigan. And fun fact about Colt Conrad is he actually made Team Canada just recently uh, for their submission in the Spangler Cup. So Team Canada went ahead and added themselves an NCAA free agent. So the Spangler Cup, you can't have NHL drafted or owned players. It's all European players or college free agents, that kind of stuff. Uh, he only played one game in the Spangler Cup, but the fact that he made the team is is very impressive. And I think uh, as a senior in college, He's done in college, so he'll be looking to get an NHL contract. In the NCAA this year, in 20 games, he's got 7 goals, 14 assists for 21 points. So he's a point-a-game player at the NCAA. And uh, again, invited to the Spangler Cup. So that's a player you definitely want to put on your watch list for if he, if and when he signs an NHL contract. Uh, one more player would be Alex Limoges. Uh, he's the last guy on my list. He's a 21-year-old sophomore playing with Penn State. So he could have a few more years college to go before he signs. Um, but he's 21, so he's not going to get drafted. Uh, he's six foot one, 201, so he's got a good size. He's a center. He's got 30 points in 22 games, 11 goals and 19 assists. And a uh, bit of a late bloomer, this guy, I guess. Uh, so he's someone who you might want to put on your watch list as well. All right, every week as well, I do some... Um, Waiver wire watch list. So let's not make this week an exception, and let's talk about some players who are NHL drafted uh, that you might want to sign up in your fantasy league. So I went really, really deep here with the NCAA players. So let's let's bring this a little bit closer to the NHL relevancy and talk about some guys um, who are obvious kind of slam dunk picks here for people who aren't in quite as deep pools. Connor Garland has been the 
talk jour the last little bit. I got a little bit of egg on my face for this guy. Um, actually, a couple of these players are going to look bad on me in this segment. So Connor Garland, if you're a regular listener to the show, is someone who we've talked about before, going way back to the, the days where Paul was hosting with me. Miss you, Paul. And um, so the thing about Connor Garland is he's had two 100-plus point seasons in the QMJHL. He led CHL in scoring in his overage year. He's an undersized, undrafted uh, player who signed as a free agent with Arizona. So there was a lot of hype about this kid, you know, he's a super duper prolific scorer. And uh, he turned pro, played in Tucson, two years in Tucson, and he had some pretty irrelevant uh, offensive numbers. Uh, and so recently on a podcast this season, I went out and said, yeah, you know what, or just before the season, I guess, I, I mentioned Connor Garland and like, yeah, it doesn't look like he's able to transition the success he had in junior to professional hockey, let alone the NHL. So if you owned Connor Garland and I convinced you to part ways with him, I apologize because he is now in the NHL and doing really well. He's got 18 games, eight goals and 10 points. So not a lot of assists, but he's scoring a lot. And even off of his face, you may or may not have seen the highlight where uh, he deflects a slap shot from the point in with his face. Wouldn't recommend it, kids. Uh, so anyways, he's 27% owned on Fantrax. So his ownership is, is, is crept up a little bit. That's up 11% from last week. So his ownership is, is up and on the rise. Uh, but it's not too late to get him in a lot of pools. And if he's available in your league, yeah, take a look at him, even if it's just for a week or so. Uh, another player you might want to look at is defenseman Marcus Peterson. Or Patterson, maybe. Uh, he's the player that was... Draft, traded from Anaheim to Pittsburgh for Daniel Sprong. Uh, he's 21% owned. His ownership is on the rise, too. It's up like 9%. Uh, he's been paired with Jack Johnson in Pittsburgh, so he's getting regular minutes with the Pens. Uh, and what's interesting to me about this is it's just like a West Coast, East Coast bias thing. So his ownership is increasing, but in 27 games with Anaheim, he had zero goals and six assists. In 20 games with Pittsburgh, he's got zero goals and seven assists. So he's right on par, just doing the exact same thing he was doing from the beginning of the season. Um, but because he plays in Pittsburgh on the East Coast, his ownership is going up. So maybe there's a sneaking back to last segment, looking at ways of identifying value. It looks like maybe East Coast players are valued more than West Coast players. And there's probably some sleeper value picks from players playing in the West. Uh, he's also got some pretty good greasy stats too. 41 hits and 55 blocks. So if you're in a bangers and mash league, again, quoting Keith Carlson, uh, take a look at him. Uh, so the next player is a player who's not egg on my face. This is a guy whose tires I've pumped a couple times before in the past, and that would be Devin Taves. Uh, no relation. He's defenseman with the New York Islanders, 6'1", 192, 24 years old. Uh, he was AHL All-Star game. He, in his first year in the AHL last year, he had most points by a rookie, 41, and he was named to the AHL All-Rookie team, of course. His AHL career stats, and again, he's a defenseman, is 130 points in, sorry, 130 games and 86 points, which is 0.66 points per game as a rookie and sophomore in the AHL. He's been called up to the NHL. He's played 10 games with the Islanders as of when I did the research for this. And he's got four points. So that's 0.4 points per game. Uh, so he's a really great um, fantasy defenseman you might be able to get on a waiver claim. Uh, 
The last player that I'm going to talk about before we slip out and talk AHL with Braden is goalie Jordan Bingington of the St. Louis Blues. And why this is egg on my face is because I already owned him earlier in the season. I went ahead and claimed him in the DPFHL, threw him on my my roster. I, you know, Braden Holpe is my is my goalie. Uh, it thins out really fast after that. I've got Carter Hart, who will be my goalie long term down the road. But if Braden Holpe's not playing very well or not playing that night or gets injured, I don't really have a lot of other options to go to. I've got uh, the Rangers backup goalie, um, whatever that Russian's name is, Alexander Gordiev or whatever. Not really impressed with him. So I was grasping at straws and I grabbed Jordan Bennington. And so he played. You know, two games for me. He uh, lost both of them, and he got scored on 13 times. So I said, thanks, but no thanks, buddy. You're killing me. And I dropped him on January 4th. Since then, uh, he's been picked up by someone else in my league, by the way. You're welcome. And he's played three games. He's allowed two goals against and has a shutout in that time. And he has since stolen the starting job, for now, from Jake Allen. Uh, so his, his season stats now are just lights out, 1.45 goals against, a shutout, and 941 save percentage. And he's uh, 3-0 and in his last three games. Um, and again, as I said, taking over the number one goalie from, from Jake Allen. His fan tracks ownership numbers are, are low. Uh, if you have an opportunity to grab him in your league, I would. I wouldn't look at it as, you know, the next carry price or a long-term solution. But, uh, hey, the guy's not totally fantasy irrelevant. He had a really good junior career in the OHL, played decent in the AHL. He was like a third-round pick uh, by St. Louis or whatever it was. So uh, his pedigree isn't unwarranted for him to be having NHL success either. So there you go. A couple of free agents, guys that I've maybe given you bad advice on in the past that I own it. And uh, a player that I made a poor decision on this season, and uh, that looks bad on me too. But say lovey, what can you do? All right, gonna take another quick little break right here, and then when we come back, we're gonna talk about the AHL All Star Game with Braden and uh, what players there are fantasy relevant. Hang tight. So now I'm joined on the show by uh, Braden Olofsson. Welcome back to the podcast, Braden. Good to have you back on, buddy. Good evening, Mr. Harling. All right, so thanks for taking time out of your new lifestyle. You're recently settled over on the East Coast now, taking in some uh, St. John's Sea Dogs games, huh? Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting little transition for my wife and I here. So uh, we're like in St. John, um, but hockey stays hockey, and uh, we're excited, yeah. Challenging time to move right over the holiday seasons and during the World Juniors. Uh, no doubt you have been a very, very busy man. Yeah. And the so, hockey season never never stops. It just keeps on trucking. They just keep on playing games. And uh, this time of year, it's no different. The World Juniors are in the rearview mirror now. But uh, now it's time to look forward to some All-Star games. The AHL All-Star game is quickly upon us. And the uh, rosters have been announced. And I thought this would be a really good opportunity to get you back on the show and talk some some more AHL with us. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's uh, 
an exciting time. Looking forward to the NHL uh, All-Star game for sure. But um, the spectacle that that one is, um, kind of, uh, we, we have a, an interesting one going on in the AHL as well. Um, probably uh, some some more interest there for uh, our readers and, and people like that. So interesting interesting topic to cover this time of year for sure, yeah. Yeah, I would say that the NHL All-Star Game has really absolutely no impact or relevancy on fantasy hockey, but the AHL one actually kind of does as far as All-Star Games go because these are players, and you, sure, you'll have some players on the rosters that are career AHL players and that are not fantasy relevant, uh, but you'll also have some some players on there that are that are still in the prospect category on the rise and having you know a feather in their cap like being named to the AHL All-Star certainly helps increase their fantasy value and gives you as a fantasy owner an indication of how your prospect is developing. So what I'd like to do is just kind of go through the rosters and kind of sort those players out. Let's talk about who are the players that have made the AHL All-Star game that are fantasy relevant and the ones that aren't are the guys we won't talk about. Yeah, it works for me. Yeah, like you, like you say, like these guys are still playing for their name. Um, most are, you know, in the range of... Uh, 20 to 23 years old in the case that they're relevant as far as we're concerned. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that, that aren't so relevant. And like you say, we'll just, we'll just pass on them. Another interesting uh, little sidebar with this is the, the timing of the All-Star game. It comes right at the midpoint of the season. And I think this is a time of the year where as a fantasy GM, you have to be looking at your roster and taking a good, hard, honest look in the mirror at it and, and thinking, so am I all in? Do I, do I want to, you know, be a buyer and sell my draft picks and my prospects for teams looking to rebuild? And uh, so who are some of the prospects that I should value higher than others? Or on the flip side, if you're like, it's not happening for me this year, I am not a contender. I'm going to trade off my veterans and I'm going to, these are some of the players that you're going to want to target. Um, so let's start in the Atlantic division. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's alphabetical order or where we're going. Yeah. Well, that's the way they're listed on the AHL website, so we'll start that way, I think, yeah. So as far as the Atlantic goes, and actually as far as each of the divisions uh, go go in the AHL, I basically uh, broke broke each roster up into a few groups, uh, starting in the in the Atlantic division. Um, we got we got a couple of blue chippers there. Um, certainly, Henrik Borgstrom uh, is a guy that is a must own in, in any league. Um, I think regardless of your, your depth, um, he probably should have been there in the fall already. Uh, another guy on, uh, on that Atlantic roster is, uh, Charlotte Checkers forward, Yanni Kukinen, uh, a Carolina Hurricanes prospect who has had a absolute, uh, breakout season in, in Charlotte this year. Um, Pete and I actually might have even touched on him the last time I was on. Um, so he's, he's 20 years old and, uh, like I say, off to a, off to a super hot, hot start this year, 30 points in, in just over 30 games, 33 games with Charlotte. Um, so he's a guy who is, is on that level too. So if, uh, if he's available in your league and you're able to pick him up mid season here, um, don't hesitate. Uh, if you got to wait till next fall, you're certainly going to want to have him at the, at the top of your draft lists. Yeah, I think those are two forwards that have a really good chance of making their NHL rosters next season. Or maybe if their AHL teams are eliminated, they might get some 
NHL games at the end of the season. Um, let's see, Henrik Borgstrom and Yanni Kukinen, Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes, respectively. Those teams should be on the outside looking in for a playoff run. So, you know what? It's not out of the, the realm of, of possibilities that they get uh, a couple of games look at the NHL level at the end of the season just so that they can get a really clearer idea of how close they are to being ready to make the team next year. Uh, another forward I want to talk to you about, and I think we spoke about him a little bit on your last appearance here as well, is Michael Del Cole, Bridgeport Sound Tigers. He's the former yeah. fifth overall pick by the New York Islanders. Uh, he was prolific scorer in the OHL, where he was drafted from, and he's had um, at least two or three years in the AHL now, and he's he's yet to been able to find the same scoring touch he had in junior, and he's only had a sniff in the NHL with, I don't think, any points yet. Uh, how's his season going, and is, is he finally putting it together, and his nod in the All-Star game would be an indication of that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And yeah, like you say, I think, uh, I think we did, did touch on Del Cole about a month or a month and a half ago, whenever it was that I was last on. Um, and, and he hasn't slowed down one bit, uh, up to 28, eight points in 28 games now with the Sound Tigers. Um, and, and really racking up the goals with 16. Um, not, not known for a guy to be, uh, um, a sniper by any means. You know, he was a balanced player in the OHL. Never did crack the 100-point mark, but like you say, a prolific scorer in the OHL and, and had struggled to get his game going in the AHL. So this year it seems like he's he's found his groove, so to speak, um, and and also uh, hasn't quite been able to transition that into the NHL. So depending on how uh, how the Islanders' season wraps up here, another guy who could maybe get into the lineup uh, by the end of the year uh, if not, they're going to have a have a really tough decision to make with him next fall. Um, probably a, a guy that's that's getting towards the end of uh, his super relevant uh, window, and uh, they're going to want to really see what he has and uh, give him a real opportunity in in uh, New York on the island. He's a player that should be reaching the end of. I'm not sure where he is at the top of my head, but I, he should be reaching the end of his waiver exemption. Where at the start of next season, if they don't put him on their NHL roster, he might have to go through waivers to go back down to the AHL. And uh, he's got the pedigree that kind of demands at least a second chance on, an, on another another roster. Uh, so that'll be a, an interesting dilemma for them, for sure, if, if it comes to that. Uh, let's talk about a couple other guys. Uh, players who I think might be a little bit less known. Defenseman John Gilmore of the Hartford Wolf Pack and goalie Sam Montembeau, uh, Springfield Thunderbirds. So another Springfield player, Florida Panthers prospect. Florida Panthers have a lot of prospects, don't they? I mean, they had the top prospects at the World Juniors, and they got a couple of players in this game that we're talking about. Florida yeah, Panthers are always, one of those teams that they're they're always going to be good one day. They always have good prospects, and I'm just waiting for that that day to come to fruition. You're you're exactly right. You know, they got they got the names on their on their NHL roster right now, and. Uh, it doesn't always seem to be clicking for them right now either. So fortunately for them, they've, they've still got a loaded pipeline and, and, uh, Montembeau is certainly a, a guy who, uh, who could fill, uh, the gap in net for them, uh, as the years go by here. Um, obviously, um, Blue is, uh, is going to be coming towards the end of his career. Uh, James Reimer might be able to fill some, some void there while, uh, while they wait for Montembeau to, 
to be ready as a as an NHL starter, but he's a guy who's who's had consistent uh, consistent wins in in the AHL. Uh, only in his second pro season right now, but but um, really shutting the door for for the Springfield Thunderbirds, um, who who are actually the host of of this tournament this this uh, coming week. Right. Uh, yeah, I like his opportunity and the situation that he's in right now. Uh, I look at Luongo. He's clearly the number one goalie there, but he's long in the tooth and he's injury prone and uh, his career is going to come to an end at some point in a year or two. Uh, James Reimer is no spring chicken either. He's 30 years old, so I think he's locked in as uh, the, maybe the, the stopgap or, or the permanent backup there. He has really only other competition is Michael Hutchinson. So I, I like his his opportunity right now to okay. transition into the Florida Panthers crease. I'll catch you on the Michael Hutchinson too, actually, with the with the, the Leafs grabbing him a couple weeks ago here. Oh, that's right. That's right. So what do they got now? Not to call you out, but yeah. <laughs> so Montembeau is, you know, he's got a he's got a pretty clear path to uh, to at least uh, a few games in the NHL. I think in the next couple couple years here for sure. Um, and and if the if the Panthers don't pick anybody up, uh, has a very very good chance of of trying to steal that starting job uh, within a probably a three year window here. Well, the door just got a little bit wider, didn't it? I'd say so. Yep. Right on. Right on. All right, one more player on the Atlantic. Uh, John Gilmore is a player I ranked a little bit higher than Yul Pionk about two years ago on a top ten ranking I did for uh, for someone else. And I took a little bit of criticism for that, and in immediate hindsight, it looks like that was all accurate, that I, that I was right to be called out. Pionk's in the NHL, he's doing really well. Uh, but John Gilmore making the all-star team in the AHL means that he's still trending along in the right direction. How do you yeah. like his game? Like you say, you know, um, probably a guy two years ago who uh, who really was neck and neck with uh, with with Pionk, or as my, as my wife likes to call him, Pionk. Um, so, so John, she's a Ranger fan, by the way. So, uh, she's got, she's got little nicknames for all of them, but, uh, John Gilmore, yeah, like you say, trending along in the right direction. Uh, still probably not a guy you want to totally write off, but, um, just keep him in the back of your head, I guess. Um, 25 points in, in 39 games as a 25 year old. Uh, it's, it's, it's certainly, uh, certainly relevant, but, um, probably not ever going to be a top four scoring defenseman in the NHL. Could end up being, uh, more of a multi-cat guy uh, who who could contribute across the board in the future, yeah. Uh, I like his opportunities in New York as well. All right, so let's move on to another division. Let's stay in the East, and let's talk about the North Division. We've got uh, Belleville, Laval, Binghamton, Utica, Syracuse, Toronto, Cleveland, Rochester. Uh, the first player that jumps out to me off this roster would be Drake Batherson, he was sensational for Canada at the World Juniors. He's been sensational in his first season in the AHL. He got called up to Ottawa and was sensational. He had like two goals in his first game or something ridiculous like that. Um, I guess my question is, what's he doing back in the AHL? And it's a slam dunk that he's in the NHL next year? I, I wouldn't have uh, much of an argument against that, yeah. So he's been back in Belleville here for a little while, um, very close to a point of game rate in the AHL. And like you said, had, had a lot of success in the NHL as a, as a 20 year old here. So he's, he's, uh, certainly at the forefront of the senator's, senator's depth chart. Um, and I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't shy away from expecting him to be a, a full time NHL or next, next fall. Yeah. 
Colorado Avalanche fans must be really happy that he's back in the AHL. <laughs> Is there a condition there? No, they own the Ottawa Senators draft pick, so <laughs> he could get him into trouble. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. All right. Uh, next player up, uh, one of the favorites of the podcast. I've uh, talked about him at length, but Lawrence Pilot has gone ahead and, and made the Northern Division All Stars. He's also been in the NHL recently. Um, is he back in the NHL currently? Do you know? I want to say he's still on the Sabres roster. Um, as as far as I know, when I was checking here earlier tonight, um, Elite Prospects still has his uh, still has his his indicator as as a Buffalo Saber. So, uh, but but a guy who has been bouncing back and forth, sort, sort of uh, as as required with with each roster, um, has had a, an awesome first season in North America as a rookie with uh, with the Amerks. Um, he's 22 years old and, and scored, like I say, over a point a game in the AHL. Um, and you know, as a, as a, de- the defenseman transition into the NHL, they, they still could have some, some hiccups here and there, but really looks like a guy who could be a productive defenseman in the NHL in the, in the next two to three years for sure. Um, probably even, even sooner. Yeah. Well, like I said, we've, I've spilt a lot of, a lot of lip service on him on this podcast, so we won't talk about him too long. Let's talk about another defenseman, though. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs prospect Callie Rosen. He's a player that I've seen play a bunch of times. I think he's got NHL upside. Uh, not necessarily in a top four, but in a bottom, bottom pairing role, perhaps. Uh, could be a nice cat friendly player that would make him attractive for the Leafs as well next season. Um, He's having a great season, and Toronto's got a lot of other defensemen on their option. Uh, they've got um, uh, brain farting on his name, the Swede. Uh, well, Callie Rosen. Timothy but, Liljegren. Right, yes. yeah. Uh, so he's injured, so I, I suppose perhaps you'd make the argument that Liljegren might have made the roster ahead of Rosen, but not, not necessarily, huh? Yeah, I mean, and, and like you say, cap-friendly. Um if if you do ever use the cap friendly uh gm tool you'll find out pretty quick the the leafs regardless of what happens in the next couple months here are going to be pretty pressed for cap space next fall making callie rosen who's got uh, about the same kind of experience in the nh or in the ahl as as timothy Liljegren, um making him a pretty uh, pretty valuable option for the Leafs. I can't remember for sure uh if if the Leafs had extended him earlier in the year or not, um but but probably um going to be a guy who's got a got a good shot uh with the with the big club next fall. Um speaking big, of which Yeah, speaking of which on the same lines and the same team, Trevor Moore just signed an extension with Toronto for a very cap friendly contract and uh to your point, I think that that gives him an opportunity to try and make the team. And he's also made the all-star team here as well. What's, what's your thoughts on how his season's been? Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a lifelong Leaf fan. And this is a guy who has really snuck up on, on me in particular. Um, and I think a lot of Leafs fans as well. Um, you know, we're used to uh, a lot of these top prospects coming through in the last two or three years. And, and Trevor Moore is a guy who, who was signed as an unrestricted free agent out of the University of Denver, um, and and he has certainly come on to be a, a really reliable pro with the Marlies 
this year um, and and did also have a shot with the Leafs. I think he got half a dozen or so games in with the Leafs and and contributed um, in the depths of their lineup. So that's probably where he's going to slot in in the future. Um, and I think the team seems to really like him. So so he's he's probably going to have a good opportunity with the Leafs. So probably a guy you could look at um, with a little later pick. Not going to be a huge ceiling type of guy, but but certainly could could contribute some offense um, as well as as potentially some peripheral stats as well. Yeah, I've seen him play a number of times, and sometimes he's been exceptional. Really, he's he's been a impact player on the game in yeah. a number of different ways. And then there's been other games where I hadn't noticed him at all. Uh, so I guess what he's been working on in his first two years as a pro is his consistency and it sounds like he's been consistently good if he's you know made the all-star team for his first time in his career yeah a couple other players uh one in particular john quenville um when two years ago he played exceptional for the devils in their ahl run he was by far by far their best player i was a little bit surprised that he wasn't able to crack the nhl roster but he's made the all-star team uh is he a player you see trending in the right direction yeah he's a, he's a guy who's come along um relatively steady um in the ahl here um he's he's got solid production this year nine goals in 20 games which is is pretty outstanding as far as i as far as i'm concerned for a, for a 22 year old defenseman in the nhl or in the ahl rather um so he's a guy I, I would I would say he's got a fairly clear path to the NHL with the Devils, and like you say, surprised that he hasn't already been there a little more consistently. Um, but but obviously um, the Binghamton I've been calling Binghamton uh, Binghamton the Senators farm system, but actually they're they're over with the Devils now. So um, has been has been consistent, and, and that's been a good spot for him to to develop. Obviously, so. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a got a few extra games in in the NHL in the the couple months to come here to finish this season off, and certainly next season as well. Um, but but like is indicated by his stat line, he's he's a goal scoring defenseman and a guy who can really uh, really drive offense from the blue line. Um, so if if you have a goal scorer or a, a heavy heavy goal weighted league, uh, he could be a guy who you might want to look at to add to your blue line for sure. Right on. Okay, so let's start making our way at West, and we'll go to the Central Division. A uh, number of players in this division that are interesting to me. I think the top of the list would be Eric Branstrom, playing with the Chicago Wolves, uh, Vegas Golden Knights' top prospect. Looked very good uh, for Sweden recently at the World Juniors. Uh, was really impressed with some of the games I saw of him playing during their prospect camp. He's very, very talented, a little bit undersized, but that's not a problem in today's NHL. Uh, haven't had a chance to watch him play at all in the AHL this season. I'm not sure if you have or not, but what's your take on how his first year as a pro in North America has gone? So, yeah, Branson, like you say, obviously having a, a good season in the AHL. Um, not as much of a goal scorer, perhaps, as uh, as our, our recently spoken of uh, Mr. John Quenville, but... Um, Having a, a pretty good rookie season in in uh, in Chicago with the uh, with the uh, I'm gonna have a brain fart on on the team's name excuse me but uh, but you know, know like you say having a, having a good year with them uh, had a had a good World Junior Championship uh, unfortunately had a disappointing finish for for Sweden there um, but but uh, he's sure making that uh, inaugural draft look pretty good for the for the Golden Knights yeah. 
Yeah. Um, if I owned him, I would be quite happy to just hold on to him and stash him away. I think he could be in the NHL as soon as next year. Yeah. Uh, Mason Appleton made all kinds of noise last year. He won the Rookie of the Year in the AHL, made the All-Star team last year. This will be his second appearance uh, in the AHL All-Star game. He's a Winnipeg Jets prospect playing for the Manitoba Moose. Um, if I'm yep. not mistaken, he had a cup of coffee in the NHL this year. Um, where's, where's he at in his game? Yeah, he, so he's actually had, had a little more than a cup of coffee in the NHL. I think he's played just about equal games in the NHL as, as he has with the Moose. Um, a guy who, um, if, if you're looking at his age, um, last year as a rookie, he came in, uh, as a, he would have been 21. So a little older than maybe some of the other rookies in the league last year, but had an absolutely outstanding rookie season. And this year he hasn't missed a step, uh, Winnipeg's got a tough roster to crack, unfortunately, for, for forwards and Appleton's, uh, kind of being faced with that right now. So his, his lack of production in the NHL could be, uh, easily contributed or attributed to, uh, to his lack of opportunity, perhaps in their, in their top six. Uh, if, a, if a slot ever does open up in, in Winnipeg where they're strapped for cap space and, and, uh, could, could use a guy up front, Appleton's going to be a guy who, who should get first crack at it and, and as far as I can tell, he's going to he's gonna have a, a lot of success in the NHL one day. Yeah, it's certainly something you want to keep in mind when you're looking at acquiring or trading prospects. What's the opportunity on their NHL roster? And for Mason Appleton, the opportunity is rather limited. So potentially, I think maybe if you were an owner, you'd be hoping that the Jets use him as a trade piece to load up for a potential cup run this year. Uh, Dennis Gurianov is a player that's next up on my list of guys to talk about. He's having a super season in the AHL. He's also had a cup of coffee in the NHL, 11 games. He's got over a point a game in the AHL this year. Uh, he has not really had a hard time finding the back of the net in the AHL in his career, but this is his first all-star game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, like like you say, having a having a good year there in uh, in Dallas's farm farm system, he's already taken a big step from last year. In fact, a massive step, I would call it probably. Um, as we stand here uh, recording tonight on the 14th, he uh, he's three points off from from uh, exceeding his point total from from last season already uh, in 74 games. Uh, and mind you, he's only played 28 this year, so. So he's taken a big step offensively. Uh, Dallas is going to be really happy to see that. Um, my, mind you, look, you can look at what they're doing with some of their big names right now. Hopefully he's a guy who can, can get into the middle of their lineup at least and, and start to help out the, the depth, the depth areas of their lineup. Uh, big body guy who, who should be able to push guys around as well. So, um, could be a, a very solid multi-cat guy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he doesn't. Uh, make his way onto the score sheet. He'll he'll make his way into the box scores one way or another with some shots or some hits or some penalty minutes or some blocks or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Kuryanov. I I saw him play at the World Juniors uh, live when they were through this neck of the woods, and uh, he was a standout. Even on a very talented Russian team, he was uh, a player that was hard to miss. Uh, another player uh, that we should talk about in the central is Jordan Kiru, San Antonio Rampage, St. Louis Blues prospect, 
highly, highly touted prospect first round pick. He's in his rookie season in the AHL, scoring about a point a game pace for a 20 year old. That's just exceptional. I don't think he'll be in the AHL long, so this could probably be his first and last chance to make their all star team. Uh, do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think you're bang on there. Yeah, he's 20 years old, so I think coming in this fall, a lot of us were hoping maybe he would have a better shot to make the Blues roster. Uh, unfortunately didn't work out as such, uh, with their, with a lot of their offseason unrestricted free agent signings. So, like you say, he's back in San Antonio now this year, um, and, and just about a point a game. Uh, awesome for a 20 year old. Uh, he, he should, should be in the NHL next year for sure, I think. All right. And not giving a lot of love to goalies on this segment. So let's, let's talk about one. Yeah. Capo Kakinen. Yeah. Sort of wild. Uh, first, first all-star appearance for Capo. How's, uh, how's his season going? Yeah. I'll actually, uh, <laughs> unfortunately not a love for, not a lot of love for the goalies, but there's, there's a lot of, uh, really interesting prospects that are going to be featured in this tournament. So Kakinen is, uh, is a wild prospect, um, playing in Iowa this year. He's, he's won half of his starts and, and as far as his stat line goes, um, relatively, um, relatively consistent um sitting at a 917 save percentage uh but if you look a little further down actually he's got five shutouts in his in his 20 starts uh he went on a bit of a streak um about a month ago i, I believe where he, he had two or three shutouts in a row um really going to going to make things interesting probably next fall for the backup role in in Minnesota i'm not necessarily sure that's the spot he wants to be uh a couple more years probably starting in the AHL is going to be good for him Devin Dubnik's under contract until 2021, so that's that's going to be a bit of a waiting game for him to uh, to really develop into an NHL starter. But he's a guy who's who's really showing some good signs right now. Uh, a guy you'll want to keep an eye on if if uh, you're looking for the next um, Matt Murray, maybe not Matt Murray, or or looking for the next uh, Andre Vasilevsky or or someone of that sort. Uh, another another Finnish goaltender, um, which is is starting to really become extremely common in the nhl yeah he's got a i'm just looking at his uh profile on our friend elite prospect site right now he's he's 22 years old so you know he's not super young but he's not too old he's got three years of pro experience playing in the liga already and uh he's got a world junior gold uh, u18 bronze and he's a draft fourth round draft pick so he's you know goalies don't go too high anymore so he's a relatively good pedigree on him already uh and yet at the same time i'd say he is a low profile under the radar kind of guy so it's potentially a prospect who's available in your in your league you should check him out see if he's available yeah all right so let's uh is anyone else in that division you want to talk about or should we go on to the final pacific i think we're good to move on on to our last division here yeah all right, so selfishly, I want to start with Troy Terry because I own him in the DPFHL, and I'm very excited for his upside, and I'm very anxious for that day to come soon. He's a first-year pro, first year in the AHL, first All-Star game. Seems like a slam dunk. He's uh started the year in Anaheim. I think he played about six games and had maybe one assist or whatever it was, and uh last time I looked, he was tearing up the AHL. Yeah, kind of overshadowed by maybe Max Comtois in his in his first couple games in the NHL, but uh, the AHL seems to be the right spot for him this year. Um, having a having a really good season in his in his first year out of college, um, 
and and probably a, a better spot for them in terms of the environment about this time of year too is as far as Anaheim is going uh, on their current 11 game losing streak so he's he's putting in uh, a lot of a lot of pucks in the net he's got 16 goals in 31 games and uh, another 21 assists as a 21 year old so he's he's uh, looking pretty good for Anaheim they're going to probably want to keep him there until until towards the end of the year and uh, next year I wouldn't be surprised to see him in a Ducks uniform full time my only regret with Troy Terra is our league does not count penalty shot <laughs> penalty shot goals. That's where he shines, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So another player in the Pacific Division, sorry, the Pacific Division we should talk about is uh, Sheldon Rempel. I uh, talked about him earlier on the season. He's a player that came out of nowhere, made the LA Kings, scored some points, and cooled off and made his way back down to the AHL. He made the All-Star team, so he's obviously not cooled off too hard. Uh, how's his season doing, and uh, is he still fantasy relevant? Yeah, certainly. Another guy who who's uh, coming out of college, I believe, um, a rookie this year, uh, un- undrafted free agent. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's 22 years old, so one of the older rookies, um, but but really actually having success in the AHL level. So showing he's not having that much trouble transitioning from college. Uh, this time of year is where we might start to see some drop off from college players. So you'll certainly want to watch him kind of in the second half to see if he's able to keep this pace up. Uh, the, there's no signs that, that indicate that he is going to be slowing down anytime soon, but if he's able to keep this pace up, he's, he's really looking like an NHL caliber defenseman in the future. Um, and, and on the offensive side as well. So, uh, maybe for a team that's, that's going to be, uh, opening up some holes in their roster, uh, in the year, in the couple years to come here. Uh, he could could potentially find a spot with uh, with Drew Doughty. Um, mind you, the defensive pairs don't don't uh, don't weigh that much on on how you would uh, how you would select defensemen. But but he's a guy who who could certainly be in the NHL in the in the next couple of years. Yeah. All right, another player uh, that I think bears discussing is 22 year old Francis Perron. He's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's an Ottawa Senators draft pick, actually, and he had 108 points in his final season in the Q, played one season in the AHL with the Sens, 26 points in 68 games, actually two seasons with their organization. And then last season, he had 15 points in 44 games. Uh, you know, not really impressive. Minus 8, minus 11, both of those seasons. This year, he's made the All-Star team with 28 points in 30 games for San Jose Barracuda. What a difference, a different change of scenery has made for this player. So he fell <laughs> I don't off know. of. See, so he fell off of the fantasy radar. Uh, this looks like he should be right smack back on it, eh? Yeah, I think he. I think he probably felt a little sick about being uh, being that that guy in the background of the Eric Carlson trade. Like he's sure he's sure making those deals look look unbalanced as far as uh, San Jose is concerned. Um, so I think they're pretty happy with with picking him up from Ottawa. Um, 13 goals and 15 assists in, in 30 games played in the AHL. Um, and as far as that team goes, he's, he's probably going to have some opportunity here, uh, if not next year, the year after. Um, and, and he should slot in just perfectly in that lineup. Um, he's going to be a, a very interesting player to watch here in the next couple of years to come. Um, and I, I, if, if he is available in your league, he's certainly worth picking up. I think he's a, he's a guy that I think a lot of people are probably still sleeping on, uh, given his lack of name recognition, uh, coming over in, in that trade as a, as kind of just a shoe in piece, 
um, based on on the the production he had had in in Ottawa's system. So he's he's a guy I'd I'd grab and uh, and kind of just wait wait to see uh, your your fellow owners cringe as as you kind of get that same success that that San Jose had in that trade. Just just add an insult to injury, <laughs> salt in the wound, huh? Yeah, exactly. Oh, poor Senators fans. All right, so let's let's change gears here and let's go back to talking about uh, more mud in my eye. Another player prospect I've talked about a couple times on this podcast. I'd kind of given up on him a little bit, and that's Connor Garland. Uh, he led the entire CHL in scoring one year. He had two seasons of 120 plus point seasons in the queue. He's an undersized player. He was an undrafted, signed as a free agent by Arizona. Uh, played, I think, like two seasons in the AHL, so until this year. Uh, pretty unimpressive. Um, so I was thinking, you know, this looks like a situation where he was an overager in January, tearing it up. Undersized, not drafted for a reason. Now we move to the, the pro level ranks and he's just not able to translate the offense. Well, looks like I was wrong. He's found a way to translate that offense, not only to the pro level, but he's playing in the NHL. And he's doing really well up in the NHL as well. Uh, I got his stats down here somewhere. He's, he's scoring goals off his noggin, so yeah, doing... off his off his face. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, he'll yeah. take it any way he can get it, yeah. though, right? Exactly, exactly. They all count the same. Yeah, yeah. So. He's got uh, ten points in eighteen games in the NHL so far. He's only eleven. He's up eleven percent in his ownership in the last yeah. week. He's twenty seven percent on fan tracks now. So uh I'm not sure he's gonna be able to make it back to the HL for the All Star game. He might just have yeah. to stick around in Arizona. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly where he's stuck right now, but but uh yeah, the the coyotes are, are happy to have him for sure. So like you say, uh, an undersized dude who who had a little bit of trouble getting into the pro game, but but this year seems to have just made a click. Um, I remember talking to a couple guys here in the off season last last summer, and uh, there there was some interest in him in him uh, over the last couple of years, just maybe based on on the the success he had had in, in Moncton, but um, really followed through on it this year. And uh, a guy that that if he's available, another guy you probably want to have a look at. Um, with Arizona's depth chart, you know it it seems like there's a lot of shuffling going on there. Um, throughout the lineup, uh, a guy who who might be able to fit into their top six and and really wind up with a with a primary scoring role on that team. Yeah, when you're a team that's not at the top of the standings like Winnipeg is, and you're close to the bottom like Arizona has been the last couple of years, regardless of what the roster looks like, your opportunity is if you can make that team better, they'll find a way to put you on. Yeah. Um, okay, so a player that you want to talk about before we went on the show that kind of went over the teams uh, that I didn't really have a lot of input on is Kyle Capobianco. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is his second appearance in the AHL All-Star game. Uh, so you just enlightened me a little bit to this player and his profile. Uh, what were some of the, the highlights that you had to tell me about this guy? And you share that with our listeners. Yes, say that five times fast, Capobianco. Um, it's a name you got to look at first to uh, try and spit it out. So he... He uh, came in as a rookie, um, more or less, last year with Tucson um, after playing four, four, four games at the end of uh, at the end of his last season of junior, I believe. Um, I believe he came out of the OHL, or uh, yeah, he, he's from Mississauga. Um, yeah. So, so he uh, last year had had thirty points, uh, only two goals in forty nine games. 
Um, but, but 28 assists. So he, he certainly contributed as a rookie. Uh, this year he's, he's very close to eclipsing that. He's at 29 points so far in his 34 games, about 15 games short of, of his, uh, his, what he finished at last year. Um, so, so with those numbers as a sophomore pro, I'm, I'm really interested to see, uh, where he goes in the next couple of years. Uh, those aren't, aren't numbers to, to shudder at, um, as a young guy in the, in the AHL. So, uh, and, and like we said about, uh, Connor Garland, you know, that's a, that's a roster in the NHL that, that always seems to have, um, some opportunity for young guys to get into. Um, and he might just be a guy who, who kind of comes out of the shadows and, and, uh, contributes in the NHL. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, uh, turned off if he, if he does get into the NHL. And, and doesn't have an immediate offensive impact. Um, he's a guy who might just, just be able to get up there and, and stick for a while. And, and it takes a little while to see some, some offense out of him, but he's a guy who I would, uh, who I would look at and, uh, and sit him in your roster or in the, in the depths of your roster if you can, if you can fit him in there and, and just, uh, let him marinate and see where it goes. Yeah. I'm not sure how he slipped past me. I mean, he's playing in the league that I, live in in Ontario with the Sudbury Wolves. Uh, he was their assistant captain and captain. He had good point totals there. He was a third round pick in his NHL draft. So how he's kind of slipped past me, I'm, I'm not really sure, but hey, it's that happens, right? Name. It's all in a name. I can't say it, so I don't want him. <laughs> well, speaking of names we can't pronounce, let's talk about the goalie for the Pacific. Joseph, and we, we actually clicked on his Elite Prospects pronunciation, and that didn't really help but it looks like it's pronounced coronar, but they said it was something quite different. Well, you're gonna, the listeners are going to want to look that one up themselves. <laughs> I might not even try to butcher that one. So let's just go with coronar. Sure. Yeah, coronar works. So he's he's uh, he's playing in in San Jose's farm system um, with the, with the Barracuda. Um, Seventeen games started and thirteen wins. Um, mind you, that's a team that is at the, the, just about the top of the AHL standings, but, but man, what a, what a win percentage for him so far this year. Two shutouts. Um, Antoine Bebo was a guy who, who was starting in, uh, in, in that roster over the last couple of years. And he's a guy, and Cor- Coronar is, uh, is the guy who, who basically, uh, stole that from him. Um, so not a super outstanding save percentage at 914, but, but solid, solid win record and, uh, and I don't know, just, just looking like a very interesting goalie. Uh, only 20 years old to boot. So, um, if, if you're looking for a guy, if you, if you can add a goalie, um, just for the heck of it to, to ride the season out and, and see where this goes for him, he could be an absolute steal. Um, because <laughs> like, like we say, you know, the, the, if you can't pronounce the name, a lot of these guys, I think, uh, I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on him so far. So if, if you got the room for him, um, I would, I would maybe consider grabbing him. Yeah. He's only 5% owned on fan tracks. I, I just had a look and we'll have to get Zach Desvine. If you're listening to the podcast, you'll have to reach out to us and, and tell us how to pronounce this guy's name. Cause I'm sure you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hey Braden, was there any other players from the All Star game that, that got nods that we talked didn't talk about that you want to, or maybe it was a player or two that that got snubbed? AHL All Star snub. I'm I'm glad you brought it up, uh, Pete. Uh, I, I I must have mentioned Andrew Podorowski at the beginning of the podcast uh, or at the beginning of our discussion. If I hadn't, um, he's kind of a, a player I had I had really liked to watch um, when he was 
coming out of college. He played in Hockey East, uh, I want to say for the F- Providence Friars. Um, I could be wrong on that, but, but he's a guy who's, who's still got relatively consistent production in the AHL. Um, a lot of guys will probably laugh and say he's a career AHLer, which he very well could be. Um, but I, I've liked his production in the last three years, um, as he's come along. So, um, <laughs> he might just be a, an emotional connection for, for me. But, um, but, but the guy I'm really surprised to not see on, on these rosters and, uh, maybe, maybe perhaps because he's got two teammates in Connor Ingram and, uh, and Corey Conacher on the, on the list. Um, but Carter Verhagge just didn't seem to fit, I guess, uh, for whatever reason. Um, but he's, he's third in AHL scoring and I was just kind of disappointed not to see him on, on any of these rosters. Um, I guess the North, the North in particular, uh, where he would fit. But, um, you know, a Syracuse crunch forward who came out of the, out of Toronto's farm system a couple of years ago, uh, got traded over to, uh, to the Lightning, I believe in the Brian Boyle trade, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but really has, has come on this year. Um, and he's 23 years old, so he's, he's definitely not young. Um, but, but he's very close to doubled his production as a 23 year old, uh, getting a lot of good opportunity in Syracuse with a, with a good farm system there. Um, I can see that, that Tampa might not ever fit him in as an NHL player. Uh, the way they're going with their prospect system and their, and their NHL team, but he's a guy who, uh, who probably deserves a shot to, uh, crack an NHL lineup, um, if not this year or, uh, possibly next fall. I'd like to see him get another opportunity for sure. Yeah, he's a player that I, I was familiar with when he was in junior with Niagara, uh, being a, a Leafs, uh, property draft pick by the Leafs. He's a third round pick and yeah, he made it to, uh, the Islanders first actually. I think he was part of that big five for one prospect, right? Right. Uh, trade that they, that they made that basically cleared out a bunch of contract space for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, looked like his career was, was trending in the not going to make it direction. Uh, yep. didn't really rebound with the New York Islanders organization either, but yeah, you're right, man. Looking at his stats with, with Syracuse, they are impressive. Uh, so you're saying there's a chance. That that's all I'm saying. I like like I say, I think he's 23 years old, relative, <laughs> relatively young in terms of people years, but in terms of hockey player years, he's uh he's getting some grays. But uh, I'd I'd really <laughs> like to see him get get an opportunity in in the NHL before before we totally write him off. Yeah. Right on, right on. All right, I'll let you go. Thanks so much for uh, coming back on the pod with me, bud. We'll have to start getting you on to be our, our Q correspondent, maybe more so than our AHL correspondent, since those are the games they'll be watching live. Well, I appreciate you giving me a second chance, Pete. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll make you a regular contributor to the show there, bud. Sure. <laughs> All right, man. All right, how do I stop recording? Hit the stop recording button. That's the ticket. Save. <laughs> right, so that's going to wrap up episode 48, rather on the long side of an episode today. Hope you enjoyed it. Going to do uh, an outro song again today, going to one of my favorite bands, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. So for the last little while, I've been kind of on the fence about where I'm at in my hockey writing pursuit of a career. And... Um, you know, obviously, I'd love to be able to quit my day job and make a living watching hockey and and writing and talking on the podcast or 
being in broadcasting of some form or another or media. Uh, that's a dream. Uh, we all got dreams and chasing mine. And um, I think I'm coming to the, the realization that not going to make it, not because I can't, but because I'm not prepared to put in the kind of hours and the work and the lack of pay that it's going to take in order to, to ultimately get there. Um, so that's kind of had me thinking about quitting a little bit. And I've decided obviously not to. Here I am doing this podcast. Uh, but one song by Nathaniel Rateliff that kind of helped get me back behind the microphone and, and the keyboard here and, and keep pursuing the hockey career is this little song that I'm going to play next. So if you're chasing a dream, maybe you're trying to get into hockey as well, hockey writing or whatever it is that you're trying to do, uh, it can be really hard. And there's going to be some times where you think you'll never make it and maybe you won't. And maybe you just need to redefine your expectations. For me, this is becoming more of a hobby than a career pursuit. Um, but this song kind of is something that you should listen to if you need a little bit of motivation to stay on track. So hope you enjoy the song. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your time. And you can thank me for mine. And I'll see you on episode 49. Start acting like this here's the rain.